It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Network, your team every day. I am Brady Trantham, and for the next 30 minutes or so, you will be locked on Thunder. And it is Wednesday, so last week we couldn't do the crossover section because of schedule constraints and all those silly things. I was doing the morning show from 5.30 to 9 on 107.7 The Franchise, 107.9 in Tulsa, so I was probably sleeping around the time that I would typically be recording the Wednesday conversation. But rest assured, we're back on schedule this week, and we've got a very special guest, my partner at the OKC82 podcast, my partner in NBA coverage for 107.7 The Franchise, 107.9 in Tulsa, and also the co-host of the fourth quarter that you can listen to Monday through Friday from 6 to 7 six to seven with Sam Mays. Give me a full hour. Well, a full hour, just a minute. That's, that's, that's just more than enough, right? No, 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 no. It's probably too much, actually. It's not enough at all. But Mr. Chisholm Hall, you can also hear him on a handful of OKC82 podcasts that I'm not on because... He and Madison are doing the post-game show that night on the radio. Uh, but Chisholm, if you are unaware of this man, for whatever reason, and if you're listening to this podcast, you, I prob- totally get it if you're you probably know who Chisholm Holland is. But this is a man who knows his hoops, who knows his basketball. And like I tried to promise everybody listening to this podcast, um, on the Wednesday editions, I'm not just going to have my friends on here. I'm going to have people on here that know basketball probably even better than I do. And Chisholm, you certainly fall into that category. <laughs> I, that is uh, the nicest introduction I've ever got. Well, of course. Can you send me that tape later? so I, I, w- I mean, you're going to have this audio. Okay, you're, yeah, yeah can, that's true. You can frame it all you want. But, I will. Um, before we get into uh, Thunder stuff, just wanted to remind everybody, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to this podcast. Uh, I would really appreciate it. And if you still don't know who I am, I've been covering the Thunder since 2014. And 2018 with 107.7, the franchise, 107.9 in Tulsa. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Brady Does Sports so you can see all my Thunder stuff, uh, whether it's from thefranchiseok.com, columns, blogs, opinions, whatever. Um, you can find other podcast links like this one. Uh, I also do Locked On Sooner, so OU fans that listen to this podcast, uh, go give Locked On Sooners a listen. I'm going to be doing uh, John Hoover sit-down Wednesday edition interview later on today, so that should be out later on this evening. Um, and then I also do, like I said, the OKC82 podcast and the Inside OU podcast, also with John Hoover on the Franchise Podcast Network. And then please, if you are in the market uh, on Saturday mornings from 10 a.m. to noon, listen to the Franchise Thunder Insider Show, uh, Jerry Ramsey, John Ham, Madison Morris, and me. And uh, I believe this weekend we're actually going until 1230 because OU does have a 1 o'clock basketball tip-off, so we're going to be taking you on until 1230. And if you're out of the market as well, Feel free to download 107.7, the franchise's app. It's free. It's easy to use. If you just want to listen to four people talk hoops, talk Thunder basketball, Saturday at 10 a.m., just tune us in, hit the button, press play, and you will be set. But without further ado, let's get right into the crossover segment with Mr. Chisholm Holland. All right, Chisholm, Thunder, low expectation basketball. Shout out Eddie Radosevich. We're almost to the all-star break, thank God. <laughs> four more weeks. Four more weeks. Uh, we're almost to the trade deadline. Have you got to a point yet where even if 
if somebody is traded, like like one of the usual suspects, I don't like Chris Paul's a usual suspect when when discussing hypothetical trades. Sure, uh, Danilo Gallinari, uh, of course, as well, and Stephen Adams has been discussed in trade rumors here and there, specifically with the Atlanta Hawks. But are you at a point now where if somebody does get traded and this team has a much different trajectory moving forward, are you going to be a little bummed out? Just from a basketball standpoint, just a fan of basketball, are you going to be a little bummed out? You don't get to see this team through. Well, see, here's what I've enjoyed the most so far this season is when Chris Paul was in Los Angeles, he was kind of playing with DeAndre Jordan. Not kind of, he was playing with DeAndre Jordan. Uh, and Blake Griffin, and that he had changed his style. He became yep. a little bit more of a guy who was just trying to set up those two, a pick-and-roll player. He went to Houston. He basically started playing off the ball with having isolation minutes on his own where he was just scoring off the dribble. We weren't seeing the Chris Paul that was in New Orleans. He wasn't really a true, true point guard uh, at either one of those stops, you know, the point god as he's been called. That's what this is. We're seeing vintage Chris Paul, and I don't mean Los Angeles Clippers vintage Chris Paul like everyone else is hinting at. I mean New Orleans Pelicans, New Orleans Hornets vintage Chris Paul. He's playing the point guard position in its purest form, and he's had an impact on every single offensive possession that he's on the floor, but he's finishing these games with 16 points on 10 shots or 8 shots, you know, with 7 assists and 4 rebounds. The box score doesn't jump out at you, but it's when you're watching the game it is so clear that he is vitally important to the Thunder's success. Yeah. That's a ton of fun. So saying that, I don't think there's any way, chance in hell, even though I come up with fake Chris Paul trades all the time on Twitter, I don't think there's any chance that he gets removed, that he gets traded. I, I just don't see that happening this season. I've been saying it all year that I think this summer before the draft uh, is a lot more likely of an opportunity for the Thunder if they wanted to, to find a trade destination for Chris Paul. So this year I think he's safe. So saying Chris Paul's going to be here means that my joy, the, what I've enjoyed the most, the thing I've found the most outstanding, I, I think that's going to be here to stay. Shea's not going anywhere, obviously. But the rest of these external pieces, even Steven, Danilo Gallinari, uh, Dennis Schroeder, all those guys, they kind of feel like plug-and-play players a little bit. Now, yeah. they're all overperforming in large stretches, but Billy Donovan's system so far this year has shown to hold value and being able to make people play a little bit above their weight. The Dennis Schroeder we've seen for 41 games is not the Dennis Schroeder that's probably actually in the NBA. He's playing above his weight. Steven Adams has played really well for about a month and a half. You know, these guys are playing really, really well. So I think, and I said this a few weeks ago on the OKC AT podcast, that Danilo gets traded. This team doesn't immediately go in the tanker. Yeah. You know, Dennis Schroeder gets traded. This team doesn't immediately go in the tanker. I think they're going to be just as competitive because, as I mentioned to you before, it's not like when they trade these guys. They just evaporate. Mm-hmm. Other players are coming back in these trades, exactly, right? Exactly, yeah. And so those people, on some level, will be able to plug and help fill some of those holes. They might be less talented, but I think right now the system is Chris Paul and Billy Donovan and Shea Gillis-Alexander. I think everything else around that's a little bit of a moving target of what's needed, and this team could be successful with or without those guys. So even if a player gets traded, I think this team is still going to be pretty good and a lot of fun. Yeah, Chris Paul is definitely the guy that moves the needle. Like, if the Thunder were able to – fortunately find somewhere to uh, you know, offload him but also get what they're looking for sure. in return that that's the only way that this team just nosedives because yeah. Chris, if Chris Paul's on your team you are too good to you're too good to be bad you're probably a playoff team especially with the the, the margin for error that the Thunder have built, I mean, they're comfortably in the seventh seed, and they have a realistic shot at not just the sixth seed but the fifth seed if they can keep winning. And Dallas, especially with the loss of Dwight Powell, and I know he's – I mean, it's still the Luka Doncic show, and if Chris Porzingis plays well, 
Um, you're just looking for cherries on top in terms of performances from Dallas. But, I mean, there's still a realistic path for the Thunder to be good um, as long as Chris Paul is still on this team. But, I mean, me like everybody like me like everybody else, did you read that SA article on Chris Paul? Yes, I did. I why are people jumping on the no, I'm not opting out of my contracts <laughs> as a sign of no, I want to stay in Oklahoma City? Like I, I I get it. I get like when you just see that quote, it's like, oh yeah, he's like all bought in with the Oh Thunder. wait, are people taking it that way? I feel like some people were okay, on Okay, I just read the article. I haven't seen a whole lot of interaction. Yeah, I saw it. I saw it like photoshopped on a cool little piece and it, I, like the tweet said um, Chris Paul is here to stay in OKC with like an emoji, and I'm just like, come on now. <laughs> he, no, I think that's Chris, Chris Paul is not going to take a pay cut. I think as way he could be playing in Minnesota right now, and I think that quote would be the same. He, I mean, he's not opting out of that because that would just be first off, he's the president of the Players Association. He be he, bad optics. Yeah, he he fought it tooth and nail to get this supermax thing done in the CBA. Then it gets done. He gets the contract himself, and then he opts out of it. Yeah. Uh, that would that'd be counterintuitive. So he's going to accept that money like, if he was in here or Phoenix or Orlando. Yeah. I mean, he's not opting out of that yeah. contract. Now, that's the that's the big, easy thing to point at from that article. Like, what what stuck out to me, though, and I don't, you might disagree. You might have had something else that stuck out to you. But what stuck out to me is just, like, we all know, like, if we've covered the team, I've covered the team every day, you've covered the team every day. Um, Shea Gilles Alexander, Chris Paul, inseparable. I mean, it's easy to see. Um, they're always around each other post-practice shoot-arounds in the locker room. They're always, like, hamming it up. But really what stuck out to me is just his ability to – or their ability to just really vibe off each other in terms of how they consume basketball. It seems like Shea really consumes basketball in, in much the same way that Chris Paul does. Now, does that mean I think Shea is going to be the same type of cerebral basketball player as Chris Paul? I mean, I don't think so. I think that there is a potential there for that to happen. But I think just from – a foundational standpoint, isn't it a good thing that that's what the face of your franchise, that's how he views basketball? Like, I want to look at it just like the way Chris Paul does. But whereas Chris Paul doesn't have the physical God-given tools that I have as Shea Gildas-Alexander, the length, the size, the athleticism, just maybe plug in like 75% of how Chris Paul's like basketball brain works, put in Shea Gildas-Alexander, that's his prime. Isn't that great? Yeah. Yeah. The the Shea Gildas Alexander Chris Paul friendship is something I'm sure every Thunder fan was like, yes, yes, please. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what that turns into. We see those kind of stories every so often about veteran players and young players who are best friends. Um, it doesn't shock me that's what's going on. <laughs> I, I'm trying to pick how I want to say this. The narrative coming into Oklahoma City was pretty negative on Chris Paul and his his relationship with teammates. I think Chris Paul wants to eliminate that narrative. Yeah. Because some of it, rightfully or wrongfully, has gotten so public that's just what everyone assumes about him, that he's a bad teammate. Mm -hmm. Now, looking at the track record, the guys who hated him, Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan, James Harden, uh, Jared Dudley, I, I think, ironically. Um, you know, That's the only one that actually means something to me. Like, Jared Dudley? Yeah, like, <laughs> you know, everyone else. You know, those are superstar guys who are expecting to get the ball a ton, and those rifts are going to happen, especially the way Chris wants to play the game, which is hard yeah. every single night. And those guys, I wouldn't exactly say, are known for their effort. So I can see how a ripple would cause there, be caused there, and so that's what I'm saying. It might be wrong that that's the narrative on Chris Paul. So he's trying to outwardly change that narrative uh, about his perception around the league. That's not who he is. So wh what I guess I'm trying to say is if, if that wasn't the narrative on Chris Paul, would he be treating his relationship with Shea the exact same? Maybe. He also might not, but the effort is clear. It's clear that he came into Oklahoma City with effort to try to be the best, not only player on the floor, but the best player off the floor that he could possibly be. 
Let's table this for just a moment. I wanted to talk to everybody about my bookie. Are you the type of fan that knows football so well that you could choose any game and call it? Well, my bookie is the place for you because they let you turn all your sports knowledge into cash in your wallet. Between football season, the NBA, and the start of college basketball season, it's time to get off the sideline and get into action with my bookie. You're the kind of guy who likes to bet a little to win a lot. Try parlay. For instance, if you like a couple of the big favorites this week, parlays are perfect because they let you bet multiple games together for a much bigger payout. If you join right now, my bookie will match your deposit halfway all the way up to $1,000. That means if you deposit two grand, you can get an extra grand and free money to play with. Just enter promo code LOCKEDONNBA to activate the offer. Once again, that's promo code LOCKEDONNBA to take advantage of MyBookie's generous sign-up offer. Visit MyBookie.ag today. That's MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome back, everybody, to the Locked On Thunder Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I am joined once again by Mr. Chisholm Holland. Uh, Chisholm, what's the uh, Twitter handle? At Chisholm Holland. It's Two H's in Chisholm, though, man. It's a disaster. Oh, my. C-H-I-S-H-O-L-M. Yeah, it's a pain. It's a pain. No, it's not a, not as much as a pain as uh, Madison Morris. That's a that's an adventure sometimes. M-A-D-Y-S-S. God bless. Don't, t- don't show Madison this podcast. No, no, no. no. Sh- she's a loyal listener. She'll be on someday, but we talk to each other enough. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So, I mean, like, the Chris Paul thing, like, obviously, you're correct. There, there is a part of him that understood that I need, I need to do some reputation cleaning. Whether it was deserved or undeserved, it's still out there. And franchises that are, you know, maybe a, a Chris Paul away from seriously contending for a, a, a title – you know, they might have that, well, I don't really want to bring him in here and potentially destroy what we already have that's really good. So, like, you think about a team like Milwaukee. Do you really want to potentially bring in a guy who has the reputation of a of a Chris Paul coming into this season? Like, do Doesn't you get along with other superstars and yeah, all that stuff. Like, yeah. do you really want that? So, whether it's fair or unfair, it is, it's probably a realistic, it's a logical reason to just think, well, Chris Paul's trying his best to uh, clean up his reputation. But at the same time, it's hard to not see the – this is all genuine because if you compare it to a guy and this is this is an unfair comparison but you compare it to a guy like Carmelo Anthony who said all the right things in his time in Oklahoma City he said all the right things except I'm going to come off the bench um, that was the one thing that kept him from really separating himself from true team basketball player to I am in a situation where I don't necessarily want to be in ideally but I'm going to try my best to make it work as as I see fit but I can't get out of my mind that comeback in game five against the Utah Jazz in the playoffs that year where Melo is on the bench and the Thunder are coming back and Melo wants to come in, Billy Donovan's like, "Uh -uh. (laughs) uh-uh. Like, like, this is working right now. You go sit down, and Melo was just visibly pissed off. Right. And you fast forward to Monday or Martin Luther King Day the other day, the Thunder are down 16 in the fourth quarter. They have not played well at all this entire game. They don't have Steven Adams. They don't have New Orleans Noel. They don't have Terrence Ferguson. The Houston Rockets look like they're about to blow the game wide open, like seemingly. Chris Paul's on the bench, and then the Thunder come back, and Chris Paul is cheering his ass off. And then he just walks onto the floor with about a minute 30 left 
and helps the team. Like, he doesn't really do anything directly, but, of course, his leadership from the bench and then his presence on the floor helps this team out immensely. In the final minute and 30 seconds, the Thunder take control, get a steal, and then pull away late to take the win. So it's an example like that that just tells me this is more than just him trying to put out good optics. This is just what it is genuinely with Chris Paul. Yeah, it's Chris is a basketball guy, and it, it, it gets talked about all the time, and I'm sure Thunder fans are very aware of, you know, he's a, he's a basketball savant, he's a basketball genius, and all this stuff. All that's well and true. It's really hard to overstate it. I think we need to talk about all the time of how much he gets it, and that's a great example. Chris Paul isn't at a basketball game wearing a Thunder uniform thinking about when is the next time I check in. He's not thinking about how many points he has in that moment yeah. or what the perception is going to be after the game of how he played. He's watching the game. And he's taking things away, and he's feeling the flow and the rhythm of the game. In that moment, as you mentioned at the Houston game, he's sitting on the bench just like Billy Donovan is and saying, oh, wow, this is working. What the, what, what's going on right now is working. They're mounting a comeback, and he's just watching it from that perspective and allowing the momentum to carry the Thunder to a point. Now, if Chris Paul would have felt that momentum shift, he would have been the first one to walk up to Billy and say, hey, give me back in this ball game. We need to, we need to keep this ship going. But it didn't. And so – he allowed that team with him on the bench, which is counterintuitive to every other superstar in the league, with him sitting on the bench willingly, allowed them to mount that comeback. And then when it was with 90 seconds left, and it, I mean, it's Chris Paul time. He's the best player in the league in the, in the clutch for a reason. Then he trots out onto the floor. I think, I think that speaks volume about how smart he is about not only his play, but the play of his teammates and the play of the team. And, and knowing the situation, the momentum, the time and place, and all those things about – you know, picking his spots, and that's what's been so impressive about him. He could play 40 minutes, and it feels like he plays 42. Yeah. He could play 36 minutes, and it feels like he played 30. You just He just picks his spots perfectly, mm-hmm. and he's only in the moments that he's supposed to be in. And when he needs to get out of the way to let Dennis Schroeder and Shea Gilles-Alexander take over, he does. That, that's, an, that's an incredible quality for a superstar. If everybody's listening to this podcast, you know by now LeBron James and Calm, they are a pair – a match made in heaven. Uh, we talk about physical fitness a lot, but there's another side of the game that's just as important, and I'm talking about mental fitness. Calm is the number one app for sleep and meditation and has teamed up with LeBron James to help you train your mind. And LeBron and, LeBron and Calm know that your mind is like any other muscle in your body, and Calm can help you train your body and your brain to sleep better, have less stress, and perform at your best. For LeBron James, sleep is an important part of his mental fitness routine. He goes on to say that getting good sleep and finding time to rest is one of the most valuable things I can do for my body and mind. And if you head to calm.com slash locked on NBA, you'll get 40% off of a calm premium membership with calm. You have access to the nature scenes. LeBron loves like rain on the leaves, all those other pretty noises and so much more like sleep stories and meditations for a limited time. Our listeners can join LeBron in using calm with a 40% discount to an annual membership at calm.com slash locked on NBA. Unlock content to help you focus, ease stress, and sleep better. Go get started at com.com slash locked on NBA. That's com.com slash locked on NBA. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome back to the Locked On Thunder podcast, everybody. Uh, Chisholm, 
Eric Horn asked Billy Donovan following the win the other night. Um, who was it? It, it was against Portland. So Danilo Gallinari off the floor. The Thunder are a much faster team. What have the Thunder really struggled with offensively this year? They're one of the worst teams in terms of pace. Now, that's kind of crept up a little bit over the last three or four weeks, which has coincided with uh, Shea Gilles-Alexander's added aggression on the defensive glass. Sure. And I have yet to play the audio um, that I asked Billy Donovan about this Saturday pregame. I, I straight up asked Billy, like, is Shea's aggression on the boards, is that a catalyst for the Thunder climbing up in pace, or is it too small a sample size? And he said that's 100% the reason. Well, Eric asked, um, <laughs> he asked Billy, so um, is there ever a thought to play Danilo less because you guys play faster and the numbers all suggest so? Is that, it's a good question because it's true. You can look at those numbers, but at the same time, like, I mean, what do you want the Thunder to be? Do you want them to be a, a half-court methodical offense with a Danilo Gallinari? Or do, you, or do you want them to philosophically be a faster team in today's NBA? So my two favorite players in the league, if I had to say today, of who my two favorite players are to watch, is De'Aaron Fox, because De'Aaron Fox is the fastest player in the league. Yep. Plays at an incredible tempo. He, I've never seen someone – I've seen pe f like for, from one end to the other end be faster than De'Aaron Fox. I've never seen someone dribble the basketball going that fast in my life. He's incredible. Joel Embiid. Now, Joel Embiid is the furthest thing from fast. He's huge. He's a mountain of a man, and he's just so different than everything else in the NBA. My point with that is saying you need to play with what you got. And I don't know, outside of Shea, who on this team really feels like they should be playing in transition a whole lot? We saw Dennis Schroeder. Schroeder has the, he's the quickness, but he doesn't I, have the that, finishing that, ability. Yeah, that's everyone's natural reaction with Schroeder is that he's so fast, which he is. He's so, so fast that they need to be playing in tr transition more with Dennis Schroeder. We saw some of that last year, and it led to a lot of pull-up threes and a lot of empty buckets, it, or at least it felt like to me. Now, this year, whenever he's getting to focus in the half court more and using his more burst as far as from the three-point line to the rim, beating his man there as opposed to trying to beat nine other guys from one basket to the other, yep. he seems to be more effective. So I don't know if Dennis Schroeder, Chris Paul should not be playing in transition, Terrence Ferguson is terrified to dunk the ball. Steven Adams is, you know, he, he's a good center in transition, but that's not his game. Yeah. That's not his primary, you know, and as you mentioned, Dilla Galdari. Shea is the only one, and Shea, by his own admission, isn't the fastest player in the league. So I don't know if this team should be playing with pace. And maybe the numbers right now show that when they play with pace, they're, I, I don't know, I would have to look. Maybe they're more efficient on the offensive end when they're playing faster. Yeah. I would buy into that, but I'd also tell you that, to your point, I think the sample size might be a little bit too small there. These guys are meant to play in the half court. Danilo is a half court player. Chris Paul is a half court player. You know, Terrence Ferguson is a half court player. These guys are meant to play on that side of the Probably floor. Probably the only full court player transition wise is Hamadou Diallo. Billy Don yeah. said that Hami, like as a rookie, was an elite transition basketball player. Yeah. Uh, Hami, I would agree with Deontay Burton and. Last year, not Deontay Burton. So this basically, year. the Oklahoma City Blue really good in pace. Really good in pace. Yeah. This the, the the guys they're playing on a night to night basis aren't. You know, Darius Baisley isn't going to be playing in transition. I mean, he he has a, uh, a a a future playing in transition, but that's not today. Yeah. You know. So I I, I guess could, the, I guess could they play faster? Sure. If you want to, how about this? If you want to tell me when the bench units out there, they need to be trying to play with a faster tempo. Okay, I can see that. Yeah, with Nerlens and with Baisley, it's, it's the same philosophy as uh, like you have a half court point guard to back up Russell Westbrook. You just get a different. It's a different punch, basically. Right. But if if those starters are on the floor, eighty percent of the game, I think they should be trying to play in half court. Their yeah. half court defense is 
fine. It's not in the top ten in the league, but it's not in the bottom ten either. Yeah. Their half-court defense is fine. Their half-court offense is fine. I, I I don't know why you get away from what these players naturally do well just to play faster. I guess the, bet- the, the better question to ask would be, like, can you have success as a team in 2019-2020 NBA and you're so bad in terms of pace? Because I think you can because clearly the Thunder have won their fair share of games. They're th- seventh seed currently, and they've got a realistic shot at six and five moving forward but also because of the cliche about the postseason. Well, the postseason, you slow down. Possessions become more important and valuable. Well, I mean, the Thunder value all their half-court offensive possessions. So you would think going into the postseason, if they do make it with this roster intact with everybody on the team, you can, you can at least bet on there's not going to be a lot of empty possessions. So I, I guess like my overall answer is like if, if there's opportunities for transition and pace with the right guy, then go ahead and take it. Otherwise... Don't just make it a priority. I, I don't think the Thunder are outside of just asking Shea to be more aggressive on the glass because it does accelerate the, the transition offense, but it's not your ideal. When you think of transition offense, you're not thinking about Shea Gillis-Alexander in the open floor, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, totally agree with you. I totally agree with you. First off, teams are playing drastically faster this year than last year. Toronto Raptors won the NBA title last year. Do you know where they finished in pace? Are they in the middle of the pack? 15th. Exact, the exact middle. They are in. They are, they are literally the middle of is, the pack. Is that going into the postseason or is that postseason? As postseason included with the regular season. Okay. Oklahoma City currently right now is twenty-two. Um, I, I get the narrative that you have to play faster. I think that's a gut reaction from fans, just because the game is being played faster. I and I think I think you have to shoot threes. I think you have to have ball handlers. I think you have to have uh, more scores on the floor than you've ever had. And the Thunder can do that. And I don't think that has anything to do with pace. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. I think those are the important things. Pace, I don't – maybe maybe I'm – this is very rare, but maybe I'm old man Chisholm right now. But I, I don't well, see pace leading to more wins. What did Billy Donovan value the last two seasons? He valued pace because this, that team struggled at times to score in the half court unless Paul George was just hitting shots. Yeah, I mean, here, let me, let me put it this way. you got to manufacture scoring one way or another. If pace was that important, the teams at the top would be some of the better teams in the league. Number one, Milwaukee Bucks, outlier. Number two, Houston Rockets. I, I don't know about how you feel right now, but I don't feel like they're a title contention team. No. Number three, Memphis Grizzlies. Number four, the Washington Wizards. Number five, the New Orleans Pelicans. Number yeah. six, the Atlanta Hawks. Number those, seven, the Minnesota Timberwolves. Those teams have to manufacture scoring. Yeah, one through seven, there's one team who I really feel like can win the title. Mm. I mean, the... Uh, to me, pacing pace does not lead to wins. Does not lead to better offense. Yeah, play what what your strengths are. I think Chris Paul, Danilo Gallinari, Stephen Adams, all their strengths are the half court offense. So heard, heard it here first, Thunder fans. It's going to be a slow second half of the season because this team's not going to go any faster than it already is. Oh well, they'll still win their games. Oh, are people complaining about that? You have a better pulse on the. You know, I don't have the uh, quite the people tweeting. I think, I think people. Poorly. I think fans are actually taking this season with a breath of fresh air. It's like okay, it's not the same because like the pace is exciting. Like, it leads to exciting play, but it also could lead to, man, like, the the glaring flaws on this team, they're so loud and it's so visible and it's so hard to, like, not go into a game and be excited for the potential, but also be anxious for the failures that it can bring about. This Thunder team has a lot of flaws, and especially when they get down 16 points or 26 or 24 to the Bulls or the, or the Grizzlies, like, it is hard to watch at times. But they all—they're consistent, sure. and I think fans have grown comfortable with the consistency of this team. You can go into a game and think, okay, they might get blown out in a quarter, but they're the, the remaining third three quarters—they're going to compete. Sure. So, so I think that there's just comfort there. Oklahoma City last year was sixth in pace, and I, 
my reaction. See, I do radio, so I, it's different. I get people texting into a show, and again, like I mentioned, I don't have people during games who are saying, "Chisholm, can you believe what's going on right now?" I don't get that. If you'd like to start that, that's fine. I probably won't read it. Um, <laughs> people's complaint last year with the Thunder was that they had no half court offense, other than we're just going to get Paul George the ball at the top of the key. Like that was the whole offense. This year, I, I can only speak from my own personal, you know, viewership. I don't have anxiety when Oklahoma City has the ball at the top of the key with 17 seconds left. Yeah. Last year I had anxiety because I was like, I just know it's a contested jumper coming. That's what, that's what, that is what's on the horizon is, you know, Russell or Paul are going to take a contested jumper. That, that's how this half-court possession is going to end. That's not the case this year. And so I think that should be a positive thing, not a negative. Uh, just because I find the pace stuff so interesting. He you know, was number one in pace last year. Um, would that have been – oh, man. The Atlanta Hawks, no playoffs. Number two, the New Orleans Pelicans, no playoffs. Sacramento Kings. Oh, I just said the Kings. No playoffs. The Lakers, no playoffs. The Milwaukee Bucks came in at five, Oklahoma City six. So, I mean, the top four teams in pace last year didn't make the playoffs. So, if I was a Thunder fan out there stressed out that they're not playing fast enough, you'll be okay. Food for thought. Chisholm, thank you so much. I appreciate it, man. Of course. Everybody, thank you so much for listening to the Locked on Thunder podcast. And uh, thanks once again for Chisholm Holland. For jumping on, listen to a show Monday through Friday. That's the fourth quarter from 6 to 7 with Sam Mays on 107.7 The Franchise, 107.9 Tulsa. He does make a weekly appearance on the OKC82 podcast. We just recorded one earlier today. Those drop on Wednesdays where we talk about some Thunder stuff, but mainly a lot of NBA stuff. I think we uh, we talked, we ranked all the all-star players, all-star names, and then we even drafted our own team. And that was kind of a debacle because we forgot about Ben Simmons, so we had to redraft it. But uh, rest assured, Chisholm will do a great job editing that podcast and making it seem like we didn't make a mistake at all. But everybody, thank you once again for lis- listening to Locked on Thunder. We'll see you tomorrow. We'll talk about the Orlando win or the Orlando loss. But until tomorrow, talk to you guys later. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked on podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Thank you.